Thank you for joining our Transform 365 podcast, a discipleship and teaching ministry of SWCC. We pray this teaching helps you to grow in your journey with Christ. We have some great resources available for you on Transform365.com webpage. Feel free to download discipleship materials, small group teaching, as well as peruse our training workshops. Also take time to visit www.swcc.org for videos, teaching, and more. We thank you for listening and your support, and we would love to hear from you. So use our contact page and drop us a line. Now, for our podcast teaching. Jesus, he took his disciples, as we saw last week, to the side of a mountain. And he sat down and began teaching them what the attitude of a disciple that's going to enter the kingdom is going to be. Those that have committed themselves to following Jesus in his way, beyond just belief for salvation, but in handing over their life for his guidance. You know, I recently read a story about Queen Victoria that touched me and moved me to the core. It said that she went to a tea party with all the big socialites and all the duchesses that were in the area. And while she was there and the ladies were all gossiping and chattering about just nonsensical things, she noticed one of the ladies, a young lady, was sitting in the corner staring at the window, totally detached from everybody else. She asked one of those that were standing around her what was going on and why that young lady did not want to join everybody, and she was answered with, She just recently lost one of her children. Well, Queen Victoria quickly got up, grabbed her tea, and walked over to the young lady. After about 20 minutes, she left the tea party. And everybody was wondering why. But the young lady who she had gone over to talk to and was standing at the window came and joined the rest of the party and started socializing with everybody. Well... One of the ladies that was there was very quick and wanted to know what was going on. So she sat down with the young lady that Queen Victoria had spent so much time with. And she said, what was going on? What did you and Queen Victoria talk about? The young lady looked at her. She said, we talked about nothing. We sat down and she held my hand. and We cried together. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, Jesus talks about those who have made a commitment in following him as his disciples. Those who have decided to live here on earth for the kingdom above. He says they have an attitude of mourning. And he says this attitude of mourning will be greeted with comfort. If you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. That's Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. And in it, Jesus says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Jesus is literally telling us that he is holding our hand in our time of weeping. That he is the one that is guiding us through trials of pain. That he's there with us through our greatest hurts and grief. That he's comforting our crying. That he's in our midst, in our weeping, and in our mourning. 
Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. He's holding us when the realization of pain is too deep for words. If you have your Bibles, open up to Romans chapter 8 and listen to these words that Paul gives us of comfort in Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 28. That's Romans 8, 26 to 28. He says, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings, too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows that what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. It says we don't know what to say in moments of pain. We don't know exactly what words to put together when we go and say, Abba, Father. But the Holy Spirit does. And he intercedes heavenly to earthly when we are weeping in pain. The word cry out here is the word kradzo. Kradzo, and it means to make an unintelligible noise. It literally, in scripture, it would be like a frog croaking. It's like literally an animal noise, just saying, ah! It's literally crying on the shoulder of the Father. And he's holding you to his chest in comfort. And saying all we can do is cry out in pain. Because we are weak and we don't know what to do. We don't know what words we are supposed to ask and what to say. And trust me, we've all been in that situation. I know I have. As we proceed in Romans 8 verses 26 to 28, it says, hey, you know what? We don't see things. We, we don't see things. We... We don't see as we should. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. We do not know. We don't know how to talk. We don't know how to pray as we should. We don't know how to go to God and say, I am aching. But we have the promise that we hold on to. That even in the midst of COVID-19, even in the midst of pandemic, and confusion, and hurt, and economic strife, even in the midst of divorce, and cheating, even in the midst of lying, even in the midst of our own confusion that we create around us, that God is causing all things to come together for good. He's not causing the things that we're going through. He's not causing the struggles and the pains. James says that God doesn't tempt anybody by evil and he's not tempted by evil because God is so far from evil. It's removed from him. It's not in his nature. But we know that God is working in those moments to draw us closer to him. God is building us 
to build us and our dependency on him to grow that relationship as rabbi and, and disciple, to grow that relationship of Lord and serving, to grow that relationship of Savior, I depend on you, save me, to grow that relationship of father to child. He's working it together for good in the relationship that we have. He's working it to return families to families, to return us as the best workmen that we can be in our work, our marriages, our relationship. Do you see how and why we need to go to God in our time of struggle and need? Because he's the one that's working behind the scenes in the midst of our pain. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. That word mourn in Matthew chapter 5 verse 4 is the word pantheo, pantheo, and it means to be grief stricken. You have just been dealt a horrible blow. You are grief stricken. It has hit you so hard and so quickly that it has forced you to your knees because you don't know how to pray as you should. But blessed are those who are grieving. Usually it's used of somebody that's experiencing an unexpected death of a loved one. And they're mourning. They are crying. They are weeping. It's intense pain, that sort of grief, where your entire body feels it. You don't want to wake up anymore because you're missing your loved one. It's the writhing and aching that grief can cause. And in this weird twist, Jesus says, these people are blessed. Why? Why can somebody that's experiencing pain in their body because of grief be blessed? Usually that, that goes counter to what we, a lot of people think and a lot of that false theology that's out there. You know, God is always going to make people happy. And if you're crying, it's because you aren't right with God. Well, no, Jesus is saying that's not how the kingdom works. Because blessed are those who are grieving. Blessed are those who are in that pain. It's this weird twist because just like we looked at last week, in verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who have realized that they're spiritually empty and they are dependent on God. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. It literally means that you're a beggar spiritually. Blessed are those who are begging of God to fill them spiritually. Blessed are those who realize that they need to sit at the feet of Jesus to be filled, to have any type of growth in their life. And then it ties so beautifully into verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Your mourning and your spiritual filling are so tied in one another. They're poor in spirit and realizing they're spiritually empty, so they are crying for it. They're realizing that they are spiritual beggars and they, they don't have righteousness of their own. And they only have the righteousness of Christ. And they're being comforted by the great comforter, by the Father above, by our Savior, Jesus Christ. Because they realize they are dependent on God's grace because they are sinners and they 
cry out to him. They cry out, number one, because of the separation that sin causes in the relationship between God and them. They cry out because they realize they're spiritually bankrupt on their own. They are spiritually dependent on God. And they're replete of goodness apart from Jesus. They cry because as Paul says in Romans chapter 7, Hey, wretched man that I am, why do I do the things that I don't want to do? They cry because Romans 8, 18 to 23, it says, All creation groans, longing for the day when the curse of sin and fall is taken away. Sin makes people groan. Sin makes people mourn. Death makes us weep. Pain makes us hurt, doesn't it? Why? Because when we lose a loved one, there's pain. There's a pit inside of us. When people we love reject us, it's painful. When cancer attacks someone we love and there's an unknowing, there's grief. Lies hurt us because there's a trust that's broken. The earth and all its inhabitants groan. You see, the weeping in the morning here is for people that feel their own loss, but also are feeling the loss for others. They're feeling remorse for their own sin. Blessed are those who mourn. But they're not just feeling mourning for themselves, they're mourning for others. They're, 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 they're suffering because they see the lost world that is in need of a Savior. They're in pain because they feel the pain of others. They empathize and they have compassion for people that are going through struggles. This is a compassionate person and that's what Jesus is calling his disciples to be. Be people that weep and mourn for others. Because you'll be comforted by Jesus, but you'll also, in receiving comfort, be able to give comfort. That's what Romans chapter 12, verse 15 lets us know. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. But the beauty of that is in the construct of it, it says, weep with those who are weeping. Weep with the weepers. And rejoice with the rejoicers. Be of the same mind. Be able to feel people's pain. Because you're so connected with Jesus. Because you're so connected with others. That you feel what they feel. And if you're able to do that. You're in the greatest company of all. If you're able to have the attitude of compassion, the attitude of mourning with those who mourn and rejoicing with those who rejoice, if you can have the attitude of a disciple that says, you know what, I feel pain when I see lost people. I feel pain when I see struggle. Then you're in a good place. Because listen to the company that you're holding. In John chapter 11, verse 35, that's John chapter 11, verse 35. It's one of the shortest verses in the whole Bible. In fact, it's shorter in the Greek. 
It says, Jesus wept. Jesus comes up to the tomb of Lazarus. And he's approached by his friends. He's approached by Mary. He's approached by Martha. And they are crying because of the loss of their brother. And it says that Jesus felt compassion for them. And seeing them weep, seeing them struggle, feeling their pain, it says in John chapter 11, verse 35, and Jesus wept. Blessed are those who mourn. But Jesus didn't just weep as maybe you see in the movies or maybe uh, you, you see something and it makes you tear up. The word in the Greek literally means that Jesus shook with tears. He cried so hard and so violently within that moment that he began to shake. The crying it was making him bounce with weeping. He shook with compassion because of the pain of those whom he loved in their loss of a loved one. Even though, get this, even though he knew he was going to raise Lazarus back from the dead, he was still weeping because of the weeping of others. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. When Jesus saw the brokenness of Jerusalem, when Jesus looked across the mountain and he saw Jerusalem down there in all their struggles and all their pain and all their sin and their lostness, he had seen the rulers take them from being close to Yahweh to being separated by religion. It says in Luke chapter 19, verse 41, that he wept over Jerusalem. He cried for it. He shook with grief. When he retreated from everyone and went and prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, it says that he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He began to feel pain. And he said in Matthew 26, 37 to 38, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. I am in so much mourning. I feel my body is about to die. So if you're sad, if you mourn the death of a friend, if you grieve the brokenness of this world, of the city you're living in, if you hear of someone that has lost someone they love, or even the loss of a relationship, you're not alone because you are mourning among the greatness of Christ. Because Jesus himself weeps for us. In saying these words, Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, blessed are those who mourn. Matthew is saying in the strongest way, mourning. It's the passion of lament on behalf of you and others, on behalf of a loved one 
that you have profound devotion towards. It's literally saying I'm broken hearted for you and what you're going through. The anguish and struggle. It includes mourning over the wrong of this world. Mourning includes mourning or, or weeping over the loss of a loved one, over somebody's wrong that they're committing, or over your own. The struggle that you're going through. This term literally includes compassion, though, because it's literally saying that you're struggling for somebody else. It's a sincere care for others. It's literally like saying it in this way, how happy are those who care so intensely that when they see someone else hurting, they struggle themselves. Because they will be comforted by the one who struggles for them. That would be more of what this passage is saying to us. At the heart of a disciple of Jesus, is the heart of compassion, feeling pain for others. You're carrying the burden and the struggle. You're paying, carrying the hardship and you're going to the Lord with it on behalf of someone else. Those who mourn, Jesus is saying, you have such special attention in my heart. Because as Isaiah 53 verse 3 says, Jesus was described as a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. He took on our grief. He felt the greatest compassion because he felt our needs, our pains and our struggles. In John chapter 8, let's wrap our minds around it in this way. Let's go to John chapter 8. It says that the scribes and the Pharisees came to test Jesus. And they brought this woman who they had just caught in the act of adultery. And you see, as the righteous people of God, as the righteous teachers of Israel, as the keepers of the law, they had every right to condemn her. Or as they say in this, you know, the law of Moses says we can stone her to death, Jesus. But they brought her to Jesus, the righteous rabbi. They brought her to Jesus, the son of the living God. They brought her to Jesus, God in flesh, the savior of the world. The one that truly is holier than all. And they say, Jesus, you know what? You are the righteous rabbi. And you're testing him. Why don't you judge her yourself? Because the law of Moses says death by stoning. And it says that Jesus, he starts writing in the sand. We don't know exactly what he's writing. Some people like to imagine that he's writing out the sins of every man holding a stone. Some people think that maybe he was writing the verse of love your neighbor as yourself. We'll never know. Not until we're face to face with him. But in verse 7 of John chapter 8, we get this. 
But when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up. He got off the ground where he was writing. And he said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. You see, Jesus is the only one that was there, standing there, who had righteousness of his own, who had a holy standing to be able to judge others, who could say, you know what, I'm perfect to go ahead and judge imperfection. But he looks at them and he says, you guys, if you have no sin, go ahead and judge. But if you have sin, you have no right to judge someone else's sin. That's what Jesus was saying when he said, if you have a, a, a plank in your eye, literally it's talking about a tree trunk growing through your eyeball, then you have no right to flick out the little splinter that's in your brother. And you see, that's what was being talked about in this understanding. Jesus is saying, hey, look, you guys are covered with sin, and I come with no sin, and I don't judge. Because the Son of Man, as John chapter 3 lets us know in verses 16 to 18, has not come to judge the world, but to save the world through him. At the heart of a disciple is not judging, it's compassion and caring. Blessed are those who mourn. He continues on in verse 8. Again, he stooped down and began to write on the ground. And when they heard what he had said, they began to go out one by one. They were so upset that they just began to leave in droves, beginning with the older ones. And he was left alone. And the woman was there in the court, in the center of it. And again, he straightened up and Jesus said to the woman, Woman, where are they? Where are they who condemn you? Then Jesus spoke again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness. If you follow Jesus, if you're his disciple, you're not going to walk in the darkness of judging other people, but you will walk in the light of his love. He goes on, but these people that walk not in darkness, they will have the light of life. Isn't that a beautiful thought? I want to walk in the compassion of Jesus. I want to love people in the same way that he loved this woman. He felt compassion for her. She needed mercy. She didn't need condemnation. Because she knew what she was doing was wrong. She was literally on the ground pleading for mercy. That's the description of her. She's in the middle of the court on her, on her face. And Jesus walks up to her and he says, Where are those that were going to stone you? Where are those who are going to condemn you? Get up. And he doesn't embrace her sin. No, he says, hey, don't, don't sin anymore. But he says, I'm not here to judge you. 
Jesus knows where people have been, but he knows the potential that's in them. The Pharisees wanted their brand of justice, which was stoning, but Jesus, he showed grace and he showed mercy, which was what she needed. They needed to feel that that stoning was the answer, but Jesus is saying, that's not the answer for her. And you see, as a disciple, we need to realize that the answer to people is compassion. To mourn with those who are mourning and weep with those who are weeping. To love on people in the same way that Jesus loves people. He comes to her with mercy and love and comforts her. You know what I love is that Jesus, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 9, he began to describe himself in the way that the, the tax collector, uh, the, the Pharisees, excuse me, and the scribes and the teachers of the law described him. They went around, you read in accounts of Luke and different areas like that, they're like, hey, why is Jesus eating with tax collectors? He's a friend of theirs. And he's eating with prostitutes and sinners. Not realizing their own sin. Not realizing that everybody is covered with sin. Not feeling compassion. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 19, Jesus says, hey, they describe the Son of God as being a friend of tax collectors and sinners. As being one who sits and eats with those in need. Of being one who has compassion. Because blessed are those who mourn, those who grieve, those who feel the pain of a friend. Blessed are those who feel the pain of the world. Who when they look at somebody who's hurting, they hurt inside for them. Because that's someone who's been sitting at the feet of Jesus. That's somebody who's been seeing the compassion and mercy of Jesus. And they're living it out. That's someone who's experienced the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and wants to pass that on to someone else. You see, sin doesn't make Jesus sick. It makes him sad. Sin doesn't make Jesus angry where he wants to go ahead and stone people. It hurts him to the point of compassion. Sin made the Pharisees furious. It made them furious and judgmental. Let's stone her to death. But Jesus came alongside her. Where are those who would condemn you? Right now, people do not need judgment. Right now, they don't need the, if you had only done this, they don't need that talk about if you had only invested in this way, you wouldn't be in financial ruin. Or if you had only worn a mask when you went out, you wouldn't be coughing right now. If you had worn gloves, if you had prepared ahead of time, if you had bought in toilet paper, 
If you had saved properly. People don't need fingers being pointed at them. At their pain. When someone's depressed, they need someone to love them. When they lose someone to cancer, they need compassion. They need Christ followers. They need disciples to sit alongside them in their pain. They need kingdom leaders. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. They need someone to weep with. They need someone to come alongside of them and be the hands and feet of Jesus. They need someone that feels their pain and holds their hand and weeps. Church, can we be that right now? Jesus in Matthew chapter four, 5, verse 4. He says, Blessed are the disciples, those who follow me and have been learning from my example. Blessed are the disciples that feel pain of others. Blessed are the disciples who have hurt because they see what the world is going through, the lostness. And they hold the hand of others to comfort them. For in my kingdom, the comfort that they will receive is from me. What beautiful words. Brothers and sisters, right now what the world needs is the comfort of his followers because we've learned from the feet of Jesus. Thank you for joining the Transform 365 podcast, a ministry dedicated to helping you grow in relationship to Christ. If you want to know more, find us at transform365.com or on our church website, www.swcc.org, located in Miami, Florida. Until next time, remember, the only work in grace is to let grace work in you. God bless.